The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. If most religions start from true visions of God and the afterlife, then why don't they all agree on what happens when we die? Or, on some level, do they? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. I've just returned to Maine from sunny Newport Beach, California, where we had our annual and very fascinating INS Labor Day conference with experiencers and speakers from around the world. Many of the talks were recorded and should soon be available at the website IANDS.org. And INS is already planning next year's conference in San Antonio, Texas, so pencil that in for Labor Day weekend 2015. You may have noticed our Conferences Week show was a repeat of an interview with James Bean, and we concluded that one with an agreement to return to the fascinating topic of what other religions have to say about dying in the hereafter. And that is just what we're going to do today. James Bean is a comparative religion scholar and a book reviewer, author, public speaker, and broadcaster with a broad familiarity with global religions and spiritual traditions. James, welcome back to NDE Radio. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Great to be uh, here. James, in your studies, do you find any commonality or any agreement among the various religions as to what happens when we die? I think there are uh, many parallels uh, in the different world religions um, and with the near-death experience. Uh, the manifestation of light as part of the process of crossing over uh, very similar to the descriptions that we read in the, the NDE books, a tunnel of light and an ascension of the soul, uh, leaving the body behind and going into worlds of light or, or bright light. Uh, the day of judgment is the life review process, <laughs> if you mm-hmm. will, the sense of the life, your life passing before your eyes and, and uh, contemplating what just happened or where you, where you spent the last incarnation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And do do uh, do other religions besides the the NDE experience have a life review immediately after death, or do some of them uh, wait until uh, like as you say, final judgment when when uh, God comes and and judges everybody? Well, I guess that's kind of unclear because uh, time operates differently, and. I, I I am I am not sure if there is a uh, much of a wait before that, or 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 if the life review process that the NDE experiencers describe is the is what they mean when they talk about uh, judgment, you know, uh, and and uh, what happens next. I, I think mm-hmm. almost all religions have some sort of view that. What you were attached to in life and what you did in life affects who you are and where you go next. Uh, so I, I would think not not long to wait uh, before figuring out where you're where you need to go next. You know, to like reincarnate in another body or spend some time on a certain uh, level. Or I, I, I think um, uh, it it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. And there are many uh, so- many possibilities. So, so most religions have a a version of karma. In other words, what you're what you do in one life uh, 
is accumulated and and has an impact on where you go after that. Right, karma, which is another name for law or, or uh, you know, basically, yeah, ethics and weighing the positives and the minuses, and then of course there's also divine grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, things tally in various ways, and uh, people go to whatever seems to be based on where they're at, where they have arrived, you know, where they go to next. Uh, right. Uh, Christianity, of course, uh, uh, makes the claim that if, or at least some branches of Christianity makes the claim that if you uh, adhere to a faith in, in um, Jesus and ask for forgiveness, that you are sort of freed from karma in many ways. Uh, right, yes. Divine grace, divine grace busts into worlds of time and space to free souls from the predicament they're in. Uh, ultimately, I, I certainly believe that divine grace is the only thing that really gets us beyond karma because there's always something that goes wrong in, in this world, in this dimension, and so uh, merit or behavior alone is not enough to uh, liberate us uh, from from life and from laws of karma or, you know, various uses of the word law or falling short thereof. Right. So if if you um, go along with the notion that, uh, uh, I guess it's in the Apostles' Creed, they say uh, Jesus, after he died on the cross, descended into hell and... Um, and the implication is that he freed the souls that were down there waiting in in some sort of a underground to uh, for them to go into the light. Um, yeah, yeah, th- that's in some of the apocryphal gospels. I think the Gospel of Nicodemus is one of those uh, uh, writings that talk about that. Um, well, I think even the Apostle Paul does too, right? I think I think that's uh, pretty widely believed that he he, he went into some nether region or Sheol or some some dark lower level and mm-hmm. b- busted out the the souls <laughs> yeah and, and brought them into captive. the yeah um well i was thinking about uh, also the notion of bardo from the tibetan book of the dead and bar as i understand it means between and do means something like island or so anyway it's a waiting place or a travel traveling through place Maybe you could tell us a little about that. Yeah, I'm not as acquainted with the uh, the Tibetan tradition, but certainly the the Tibetan Book of the Dead uh, describes uh, visions that the soul encounters after it permanently leaves the body. Uh, incredible music and lights and visions and yeah, sort of a temporary state until the soul uh, figures out where it's going to. Next, um, mm. and in the in the in the Christian tradition, there there is a kind of Christian book of the dead. Uh, in those some of those Gnostic gospels have been described as as that as well. That um, uh, well, of course, some of those Gnostic gospels were buried with monks, so they literally <laughs> did take them <laughs> far as they <laughs> yes. could into the next life uh, by being buried with them. Um, and some of those books are are about the afterlife as well, the ascension of the soul, and have been likened to a kind of Christian equivalent of the Tibetan Book of the Dead or a Christian Book of the Dead. 
uh, some of those writings, the Nag Hammadi Library of Egypt, Gospel of Thomas, Mary Magdalene, uh, Feast of Sophia, Trimorphic Proto-Noah. And those, those have uh, instructions about what to do in the afterlife, uh, certain uh, sacred names or names of God, and phrases that are like passwords uh, that you're supposed to repeat when you're asked certain questions and by the the gatekeepers or troll bridge <laughs> uh, mm. beings uh, at, at different uh, levels or regions, uh, and that's uh, to allow the soul to pass through those regions on the way up, to not be detained, but to pass through unhindered uh, into other realms. So the the ascension of the soul... Uh, through the heavens is is a goal in uh, mysticism, and uh, certainly after death uh, right. is and so, described in those writings. And, it, and in the Tibetan book of the dead, uh, there are temptations as well, aren't there? They're copulating couples, and uh, and um, and sometimes demons that you have to avoid. Uh, dangers lurk at every turn. Yeah, the lower heavens. In 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 all of these traditions, and including in the Judeo-Christian tradition too, uh, the lower heavens aren't so heavenly. Uh, and in fact, some would would call those hells or nether regions or seven seven nether regions. Uh, they might refer to them as uh, lower astral kind of levels. And and uh, even though the astral plane generally is conceived of as being the next level up, uh, or but it's not really all that heavenly, um, and there are temptations, um, seductive uh, visions, and, and, and it's, it's like um, um, temptations to try and distract souls from their destination. Mm. Uh, cosmic flypaper, <laughs> if you will. Um, oh, great. That's a great image. <laughs> I, I love yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, or labyrinth, or... Just some, some, uh, and you can think of what goes on in this world as uh, largely being that too. Always enough distractions, economic, political, to keep people off center, so they don't have time to contemplate the meaning of life because they're running from, you know, caught up in, in warfare and, and distress of one sort or another. And then there's temptations and addictions and whatnot. And in the astral realm, um, east and west, there there is this view that there are, there are always uh, endless amounts of the, whatever your mind can conjure up, whatever you can imagine, uh, is there, and souls get or can get distracted, or there's always that temptation of being distracted. So that's one part aspect of it. Souls are warned to not be distracted by temptations or supernatural powers uh, any number of things that are there to to keep souls from moving forward but to get stuck or go on or go on a detour do you think that uh, ghosts that are stuck in this earthly plane are the victims of uh, something they encountered in in the bardo well, they they seem to be attached to their their house. I think Some, quite often uh, ghosts are associated with older houses, 
And, of course, the, the older the house, the more history with more souls they've had. And it's as if uh, some have not wanted to move on, but are kind of tethered to the house that they spend a lot of time in, and uh, which, which is kind of considered to be very, very low, kind of, you know, poor souls <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> can't have moved on. So they're, they're considered fairly negative uh, uh, by spiritual traditions. You know, ghosts are kind of like, what you're told to not seek out. So, yes. no Ouija board, please. <laughs> <laughs> there are uh, some folks who've had out-of-body experiences who claim to have encountered ghosts with addictions. In other words, they've, for instance, traveled into a, a bar and seen ghosts pretending to have a drink standing next to living people who were drinking because they are still attracted to the whole ambiance of, of that you know, that uh, addiction that they had. Right, kind of uh, intoxication by proxy, uh, standing close and trying to catch a, a sense of the intoxication from a living mm. person. Yes. Yeah. Talk about not moving on, right? I mean, <laughs> really. They're attacked. Well, there's, uh, there's an, also a movie, I think it's titled Into the Void, where this uh, low-life drug addict uh, finally winds up killing himself with an overdose in a, I think in a, bathroom somewhere and his soul doesn't even begin to attain to the light but instead travels looking for people making love in order that he can be reborn into another body and go on with his life as it was yeah that was an amazing movie i i keep hoping that will get repeated i haven't really seen that around but that was a very well done film from a couple years back and I will have to look for that because it was so impressive the the the, re, the reincarnating you know here I go into the womb here I am <laughs> <laughs> that was so well done yes and but uh, but on a very depressing level you know had nothing it, it, to do with the, with the imagery right. of say uh, 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 oh gosh well um, heaven is for real I guess would be a, a good comparison one very hopeful and the other very low right this uh, soul was so attached that they just wanted to hop back into another womb as soon as possible and clearly was not finished with this this realm now when when you mentioned that there are different names for god um and that uh, people are like uh like using a magic password uh, we've often heard stories about people who've had a, a, a dark or distressing NDE, and uh, when they've called out, for instance, Jesus' name to help them, that they are immediately lifted up out of the darkness, out of whatever terrible situation they are in or find them think they're in, into the into the light. And um, so that that would be in keeping with what you said earlier. Yeah, it's kind of like hitting a, a, a high floor on the elevator button, one of the elevator buttons to try and change your location hmm. where you are. And yeah, I think a lot of it is intent. If the soul's intention when they repeat that name is is to is really a cry for help uh, in all sincerity, uh, whatever language they're they're using, whatever name that is, I, I think that definitely works and that's a very universal principle um 
And actually, in meditation, the repetition of a sacred name is is essential to kind of enter into uh, an out of body type or or visionary experience. Uh, going to the right place, going to a very high positive place, protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, the most traditions of meditation would say, "Don't even, don't even attempt it," <laughs> uh, unless you have techniques to know what you're doing. And I, uh, there's a, a Usenet news group uh, that used to exist. I don't know if it's still there. Usenet is kind of the early wild, wild west of the internet from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And there used to be this out-of-body group, and rather than being associated with a religious tradition or meditative practice, the individuals would just experiment on themselves and try different techniques, and they were always getting into trouble, feeling cold chills blowing through the room and bad experiences because they had no sense of... Uh, uh, techniques, you know, they would just be putting on a CD and getting into an altered state, and who knows where they're ending up, and they have no instructions on meditation, and so they're always getting into trouble just with their do-it-yourself approach. Right. If you take a mechanical approach, well, there have been a couple of fictional films made about people who try to in, uh, induce a near-death experience, uh, you know, by stopping their heart or cutting off their oxygen for a while and it uh it's it, it's not only is it physically dangerous but it's also uh spiritually dangerous because you're not really taking it from a spiritual point of view you're taking it from a mechanical point of view yep just kind of getting into the wrong astral neighborhood and and, and uh <laughs> very uh, kind of clueless and naive just stumbling into some unknown realm and yeah, if it's not a positive thing, uh, not a not a positive intent, then it's pretty possible that anyone could have a, a negative experience. Uh, whereas, you know, myself, you know, I meditate fairly regularly, and it's always a positive experience. You know, I have, I've been taught a method of practice. And it's it's never a, a spin of the wheel and seeing what happens. You know, it's all very very positive every, every time, 100 percent of the time. Mm. So it sounds kind of scary. Let's have an out of body experience. But 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 for me, it's always a, a very positive uh, type experience and never um, like the Desert Fathers of Egypt. You know, battling demons at, at every turn. You know that that's certainly not the the approach that i have or have encountered <laughs> right when you when you uh meditate do you aspire to an out-of-body experience is that something that's happened to you uh it it can it, it does sometimes if i if i uh plan to meditate for a, a little bit of t- a time uh usually like a short meditation like most people do a 20 minutes something like that isn't really allowing enough time to get into it, but if you if you are willing to dedicate an hour uh, or two, uh, then you know you you get not only relaxed and comfortable and into it, but uh, it can progress further and further along. Hmm. It can become uh, more of a of an altered state, or uh, start to get into those same realms through meditation of uh, seeing. Divine light, heavenly music, and uh, 
going into a bit of a, a tunnel or changing scenes. You know, one scene can change into another scene. You know, a very visionary and auditory kind of experience, uh, solely mm-hmm. based on attention. Everything in the in in with the pertaining to the soul is based on one's attention. What you focus your attention on. That's like the saying goes. That's where the energy of your soul goes. Whatever. So you if you have if you have an addiction, it can be a very spiritually distracting. It's not just a physical addiction, it's also a spiritual addiction. Yeah, whatever we focus our attention on, uh, that becomes our thing. And and sometimes that, uh, so so I suppose for the person of faith, when they focus on something good, uh, coincidences happen, synchronicity, and they call it a miracle and say, thank you, God, for guiding me. But I suppose if someone is focused on, like, alcoholism, they've got little small synchronicities, too. The, uh, the, the, the bottle of wine that fell off a truck and, you know, whatever right. it might be, uh, someone gives them alcohol for free, and that's their little miracle. Well, uh, it's a concern, especially these days, because so many kids are getting addicted to uh, violent video games. They, you know, they'll play them for hours at a time. And, right. Uh, this is just instilling a, a sense of uh, violence in them that uh, that they they want more and more, and and of course movies uh, and TV shows to reflect that are becoming more and more violent as well. Yeah, yeah. The religion Jainism uh, focuses a lot on nonviolence and ethics. That's their specialty. Most of the Jainist writings are all about behavior. Thoughts, words, and deeds, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And uh, video games definitely violate uh, principles of ahimsa. If you, if, if you don't want it to happen, if it would be totally wrong to happen, to fantasize it or to be entertained by it, uh, similar you know, in a- interactions or, uh, with video games or, or, or even films or entertainment or music, uh, is uh, is not good, and uh, yet with, with very much of that going on, I suppose we'll end up like the Romans and the, the Colosseums uh, at some point, right? Absolutely. Oh, what a well, football is mimicking that to a great extent when you consider the concussions and, and brain damage that uh, that game does to the players. Yeah, I had the brain, one brain injury is getting to be uh, uh, quite an issue these days. Yeah. I have one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, one of the things that people talk about when they have a near-death experience is um, sometimes being absorbed into the light and lo- having a sense that if they if they continue on that path, they will lose their individuality, that they'll become part of God, which is, you know, a, a wonderful thing. But uh, they're also, unless they're ready for it, they, they uh, are frightened by that and they, they pull back. And that's often when they uh, find themselves back in their own bodies. Um, Do any other religions reflect the notion of um, losing your individuality by merging with God? Well, my own path, which is called uh, Santmat, has teachings about that, that there are higher heavens where the soul... Well, the first of the the first of the high heavens are called Sat Lok. The soul remains in an individual, an individual uh, light, uh, and 
but there are a couple of higher levels where the soul can merge into God and then return back to an individualized state again, kind of uh, trying it out, if you will, mm -hmm. but has uh, the ability to switch back again. And that's a level of nearness. And I think in Kabbalah, they also have the word nearness to refer to this kind of near, near God, but not completely ab absorbed permanently into God kind of state. Um, so the soul uh, has freedom of choice, even at that level, uh, whether to merge in God or remain in, in an individualized state. And then, of course, the top heaven, you know, is, is just pure God, pure consciousness, kind of like an infinite ocean. So would these be the levels of heaven that that you've talked about before? Yes, yeah, the the higher the higher heavens are progressively more uh infinite and uh the 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 waiting room of to God, you know, is this kind of kind of state where the soul can merge into God and then resume into an individualized state. The only thing in science fiction that has kind of mimicked that a little bit, uh, it, there was a series of uh, Star Trek where uh, one of the alien-type creatures was able to do that, was able to kind of melt into this kind of pond or ocean on this alien world and kind of mingle with his uh, ancestors or kindred souls and then mm -hmm. could come back on out again and reconstitute as an individualized uh, being again. So there's an example of fiction kind of duplicating that to some degree. So they, they saw God as a pool of, of souls. In other words, God is, is made up of all of us, or was it a, a greater power than that? Well, it's, it's actually greater than that, but I, I would say that... Uh, that is the view that all that souls are all like drops of the divine ocean, right? And it's a very big divine ocean. One of the speakers at the Ions conference said that it was like as individuals were waves on on the ocean, but uh, you know, eventually we we melt down or merge with the the greater body of water. Yeah, yeah, the the ocean of love or ocean of God, which is infinite and vast and each soul is like a, a a tiny drop from that ocean and it's a it there are a lot of souls but it's a very 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 big ocean it is it is well when you think of the possibility of multiple universes multiple worlds uh and uh and the it's amazing to think that if that's the case even on this planet, with the number of people that are dying at any given minute, that we get the kind of individual attention that NDEs uh, imply, that that Jesus or someone, an angel or someone, will be there to meet us on the other side. Right. Yeah. The uh, an, an infinite ocean, but uh, infinite consciousness, and so uh, enough for everyone, even though. It's a very big universe or, or multiverse, and it keeps getting bigger. Uh, we keep discover, or in other words, we keep discovering that there's more to it. That it's even bigger, and we're up to uh, uh, clusters of galaxies and and uh, and filaments of galactic filaments, and and then we're just this universe is just like one one bubble and an infinite foam of bubbles. 
Exactly. Well, James, we're just about out of time. I know that you had mentioned before that you have a, a chart of the different heavens available on your website. Maybe you could tell people about how they could find out more about what you're doing and your website and spiritual awakening radio and so forth. Yeah, yeah, I can send, if people send me an email, I can uh, send them a link to charts of the heavens, the heavenly realms. Uh, and I also have a page I just updated the other day of uh, Gnostic writings online and lists of Gnostic books and uh, uh, contemplative Christian writings and Dead Sea Scrolls and, you know, all of those kind of things. I've got this page where it's a list of all those kind of writings. So if people are interested in either those, that book list of, of writings and online writings and also the chart, just send me an email and I'll email them the links. Okay. And what's your email address? That would be james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Very good. Well, thank you, James. My thanks to our guest, James Bean, for today's edition of IN's NDE Radio. For more information about IN's, our services, and news about near-death experience, please go to our website at iands.org and join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>